Hey guys, this is Davey Pugh, and welcome to another episode of You the Creator. Hey everybody, I'm back with a new episode. It has been a minute since I released an episode. I think that was in February, and it's June now, so gosh, yeah, it's been a minute. But I'm very excited for this current episode. Um, I got to have an amazing conversation with my friend Heather Lee Rodriguez. Uh, If you recall, um, I had a conversation with her last year, actually, in June um, 2019, about minority representation in entertainment. Um, And so her and I thought it would be a good kind of like a follow-up conversation and um, to talk about basically everything that's going on in America right now with uh, George Floyd, um, a lot of activism against police brutality, talking about Black Lives Matter. um, And yeah, we just thought it would be a good idea to kind of have like a follow-up conversation. And I I think it was... It was so good. Heather is amazing. I love her so much. Um, and I think you're going to really like this episode. And also, just a heads up, um, she lives in Texas now, so we had to do this interview over Zoom. Um, there are a couple moments where the signal is a little weak and there's a little crackling in the recording. But as I was listening to it during the editing process, I still believe you can hear you know, pretty well what, um, what we're saying. So, um, just, yeah, hang in there. there just, it just happens intermittently, so it's not continuous. <laughs> so, but anyways, just want to give you a heads up with that. Um, so, yeah, without further ado, here is my episode with Heather. And the music you were listening to is created by my good friend, Jeff Hendren. Heather! David, I feel like we. What'd you say? I said I feel like we did this last time. I know we totally did. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to you, the creator. Where are you harrowing from? Is that the right word? Harrowing from San Antonio, Texas. My apartment currently. My couch, actually. Okay. Uh, So the quarantine vibes. Right. Gosh, I do. I'll, do you know when you'll ever come to KC actually like for a visit or probably not anytime soon? That's a good question. Um, I'm visiting a friend in Detroit in August. I have another friend who lives in Colorado, another friend who lives in Tucson. Oh my gosh. So maybe not this year. Plus, uh, Kansas City I'm going to need some time to heal from Kansas City before I can go back and Okay, that's fair. removed enough to enjoy it, if I that makes that. sense. Oh, I totally get yeah. it. Totally get it. Not too deep, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, America is going through a very interesting time right now. Uh, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> right? Um, so pretty much, I guess, just to like start this conversation. Um, and one of the reasons why I'm excited to have this conversation with you is I think you have such, such just amazing like thoughts. And I love the way you think. 
Um, and I just, I think this conversation is, I kind of see it as pretty much kind of like a, a way for maybe people to understand how conversations like this can be conducted. Um, yeah. Like ways to like, you know, because it's, there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, anger, ignorance, a lot of, you know, not really listening to people. Um, and so I think hopefully I would like this conversation for people who listen for it to be kind of like a good, like, I don't want to use the word script, but you know what I mean? Just like something that'd be like, okay, like that's, that's a conversations like this can be had and yeah. Good example. Yes. Good example. Um, so I guess we'll just start right off the bat. So with George Floyd and the history with um, police brutality and um, things like that, one thing that I wanted to, us to, to discuss is we've seen videos of things like this happening in the past um, where, you know, like it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's tragic, but uh, unfortunately, like this is not new. Maybe for some people it is, <laughs> um, but like majority it's, this isn't new um, what's happened. With that said, what I find very interesting is after what happened with George Floyd, I, you know, I, it's almost been like America has reacted in a way that it's never reacted before to this extent. Um, so I guess like my first question is, and just to get your thoughts and opinions is why do you think this particular incident has created such a reaction that I mean, like, what is it? Minneapolis is already like going to disband their police department. Um, they're talking about it. Yeah. They're talking about it. Right. Right. I mean, just like that, that's unheard of. Like I had no idea that that would even happen, you know, like so the reaction has been huge. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious, like, what are your thoughts on like, what was it about this incident? Do you think just really grabbed America's attention in this way. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I want to be careful because obviously I'm going to preface this by saying that there's there's no def definite answer to this question. Right. However, um, I think that there are a lot of factors in it. Yes, we have seen uh, very tragic, very unfortunate videos of people of color, men, primarily black men, um, being harassed and murdered by police officers. And there's a variety of excuses um, to justify their, these people are villainized, these black men are villainized in the media uh, as a means of justification for the police brutality. George Floyd, unfortunately, is one of many in a long list. Mm -hmm. And it's not the first person to ever be publicized through social media. Right. And it's not even necessarily the most graphic. And I've seen right. a video of a woman in the passenger seat on Facebook Live after her 
boyfriend was shot by the police several times and he Mm -hmm. was literally bleeding to death. So what was different about this one, I think there was sort of like a slow burn. Um, I did not watch this video as a person of color. I could not bring myself to watch it, but I know of the video. I have heard people's, um, emotions in regard to the video. Um, I know the amount of time that this police officer had his knee on George Floyd's neck. Um, I know that people were arguing with law enforcement, letting them know that he couldn't breathe, that he was no longer moving. I've seen enough. I haven't seen the whole thing. I've seen enough. But I think to just sit there and watch a man's life slowly slip by. Right. I remember my sister telling me that she watched the video and she saw him draw in his last breath. There's something very haunting about that slow burn. Um, Additionally, at some point, he had called out for his mother. And I think that that moment really humanized him in a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. It made the situation so much more relatable because people saw him not just as a black man, but as somebody's child, somebody's son. This is somebody with a mother. This is somebody uh, with loved ones. And it humanized him. I mean, and it's sad that it takes something like that to humanize a person, but it connects you in a way to this complete stranger. I remember seeing a sign in a protest. It's like when George Floyd called out for his mother, all mothers responded. And, And I've seen it multiple times, various women carrying these signs you know a good majority of women in the population are mothers they can relate to the pain that a a mother would feel losing her child and to see a man cry out for his mother in his last moments it is just absolutely heartbreaking additionally i think that with everything that was going on with the covid19 pandemic Mm-hmm. And people being stuck at home and, you know, sort of frustrated and uh, bored and all of these things. I think that there, it was a perfect setup for when this happened. It gave people something to essentially like focus on. You know, when you are busy going about your day working your, your nine to five job, taking care, you know, spending time with your loved ones because you may not have as many hours in the day to do so. You know, you busy yourself. You can kind of ignore what's going on in the media. Most people were not busy. Most people were sitting around at home spending day in and day out, hour after hour with the same people, you know, exhausted every show on Netflix. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and this happens and it sort of it captured attention. It captured, you know, a nation's attention that was stuck at home with nothing to do. And again, not that it should take something like that to grab people's attention, but I just think it was a very unique time in American history for this 
to take place. And, you know, and then lastly, it's, it may just be the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. You know, like it was like a, there was a build up to this kind of this whole time that would just, yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, people are tired and not just people of color, not just, uh, you know, black people. I think people in general are tired of seeing this and they're tired of, of the excuses. Yeah. There's only so many times that you can tell yourself that it was justified, that there was a reason that the police officer was panicked for his life, even though he's right. supposed to be trained to de-escalate situations. Yeah. There's only so many times you can tell yourself that before you start to go, I don't even believe it anymore. And I think that's yeah. what happened. It no longer was believable. There was no possible excuse that anybody could give this police officer. For the first time, even other police officers were coming out and saying this was murder, plain and simple. Yeah. And, you know, everybody knows that being an, a police officer is like being in a fraternity. It's about brotherhood. It, you do not turn your back on your brother. So for other police officers to come out and condemn this, this man's actions, which I won't even give him the satisfaction of speaking his name, but to condemn his actions was huge. Yeah. Unheard of. So yeah, those those are those are my thoughts in terms of why yeah. this became sort of the phenomenon that it has become. Totally. Well, and it's what I what I found interesting is that not only you know have um, has like the response been so intense from um, like obviously like the black com community what I found interesting as well is that like a lot of there's been also a huge response from white people in kind of basically like waking up to this reality. <laughs> um, Cause I think there was just a lot of people who, you know, they, they could only live in ignorance for so long before it, it's like, Oh my God. Like I think for some people it was like, they just they couldn't ignore it anymore and it like right. actually it, it, it like it finally was this um pretty much like this needed slap in the face of like this is a reality like this this can't be ignored <laughs> um one like something that you had said um in our previous conversations before we did this recording um, that I I thought would be interesting for you to elaborate on is um, the term white privilege. Um, how in the past, um, correct me if I'm wrong, I remember you said something about like in the past, it seemed like the word white privilege was like a trigger word for a lot yeah. of people. But like now it's like you're seeing it everywhere. Um, yeah. So I, yeah, elaborate on that. Like, what do you just... Well, I think too, I mean, I agree with you. The response has been overwhelming um, from allies, uh, you know, people that are out of color and not just, you know, your everyday average Joe, but I think one of the factors too was, you know, the politicians of Minneapolis were 
very vocal about how they felt about what happened to George Floyd. And they very much supported, um, you know, the wide opinion, public opinion, that this officer needed to be brought to justice. He needed to be charged. He needed to be. He needed to be arrested. He needed to be charged, and all and all of that. And I think, you know, a lot of the times, too, politicians sort of kind of sweep things under the rug, or they they try to remain very neutral in situations like this. And so when you see people coming out and saying there's nothing neutral about this, that also makes a huge impact. But yeah, I have never, I don't think I've ever seen the word white privilege more (laughs) on social media um, in the past few weeks than literally ever in my life. And again, yes, that was a word that was very much a trigger word for people as soon as you spoke it, people had an opinion and they had a very strong opinion about it. Either right. it was something that they understood and they believed in, or it was something that they were very adamantly against. But either way, if you, there were strong emotions, there was no such thing as neutrality when it came to white privilege. Right. So now I'm seeing posts from white people talking about dismantling their own white privilege. And it's it's shocking um it's wonderful at the same time because you know that people are starting to come into an understanding yeah they're starting to accept that this is just a factor of life it's not something that you necessarily i think people's biggest issue with the word white privilege it is it implies that there's some sort of ease to their life right and right. they don't endure hardship or that uh somehow they have an unfair disadvantage or an unfair advantage and therefore um they didn't earn certain things in their lives and that's not true you know that's not yes Is there more access? Are there more resources and opportunities? Yes, those things are real. And those things might not even be things that we really notice because it's so ingrained in our society and into the day-to-day that unless you are a person of color and you know what it's like to be on that end of the spectrum, you won't know all of the opportunities that you've been given, all the privileges that you have. Right. Um, And I think the more that they started to see the 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 violence towards black men for the smallest you know infraction right you know george floyd had a counterfeit bill you know and there's debate about whether he knew it was counterfeit or not and i've even i've even heard because there's so much misinformation out there that it was a check and not a 20 dollar bill blah blah blah, blah. The point is, is that it's of such a relatable thing for you to be given a $20 bill and not know that it's counterfeit and try to right. go and buy something. Exactly. I used to work at a bank. It's happened to my, you know, my customers that would come in, and these are honest, good people that were not trying to be deceptive in any way. It is not something that a person should die for. Exactly. Right. And so when you have white men who are 
raping women in alleys. Right, like being uh, women by other people, sentenced to six months in jail, and then only spending three months in jail, and you're being talking about let go, right? Yes. Yeah. It's like, it's such a joke. It's like, how in the world did he only get, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. And it's not just about the fact that he's white. Um, you know, it's also a patriarchy thing, but that's another story for another day. But yes, a huge factor of the fact that is that he was white and he was very much, uh, made to look a certain way in the media of being, you know, this, you know, excellent student and swimmer. And they only show his picture from his, like, I think it's a senior photo. They never, they didn't release the mugshot until much later down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they wanted to portray him as this wholesome all American boy who just made a mistake. And (laughs) meanwhile, black men are being killed and then they're being persecuted and criminalized and crucified in the media, you know, any little thing that can possibly dig up on the person, they try to, and they try to make it look like he was troubled, he was, um, you know, he was deserving because he was, you know, he was violent himself or all of, you know, all these things, which, you know, with George Floyd, there's, I remember watching a video the other day of him speaking to other black men telling them to put their guns down that's not the way encouraging them blessing them and you know this was an upstanding man right so but i digress <laughs> well and a lot of it i mean a lot of it's just uh, like the the fear that you know police are so protected that like to a fault where they like the dude literally um, you know we go the video shows like his knee on george floyd's neck he he kills him (laughs) and it's like yeah it's like you know it's just one of those things where it's like it is kind of preposterous i can't speak preposterous (laughs) oh my god i can't preposterous Preposterous. Yes, you said the word. Um, that, <laughs> that that wouldn't get someone fired. Like, given the actual, like, situation that it was, you know, quote, a forged dollar bill. Like, I can't imagine wh- why that would alone wouldn't get someone fired. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it's just... Yeah. So I think that just the, the you you can no longer look at the disparity in the way that white men are punished and the way that or lack thereof in the way that black men are punished and and the the situations the way that they're handled very separately not just with police but with the whole uh you know um the whole uh trial process the the whole mm-hmm. criminal process right you know men of their being you know sent to prison with such harsh sentences for minor infractions and then you know white men being slapped on the wrist essentially and being right. sent on their way and um for for much 
harsher um, and, and so much more traumatizing crimes that they're committing. Yeah. You know, like with Brock Turner, you know, that the girl that he took advantage of and raped, she will never be the same after that. Right. And he just gets to go walking after three months. But what I'm trying to say with all of that is that you can only tell yourself so much that white privilege is not a thing. But when you see the, the, the play of it being acted out before your eyes. Right. And you're seeing the way that black men are being handled and you're seeing the way that white men are being handled. I've seen so many posts on social media about people going, I don't ever have to think about running down the street in a neighborhood exactly. that is not my own. Right. I don't have to think about... God forbid I walk into a store and I pay with a counterfeit $20 bill. I try to pay for something with a counterfeit $20 bill. I don't have to worry if my taillight is out and I get pulled over mm -hmm. in a traffic stop. I don't ever have to think about, am I going to lose my life today? Right. And when, I, and when people see the ridiculous things that black men are dying for, and realizing in their own lives as white people, I don't have to deal with this. There's only so many times that you can sweep that under the rug and act like it's not happening. Right. Well, and it's one of those things where, oh, so yeah. what were you saying? Oh, I was just going to say, once you come to terms with it, I think it's easier at that point, once you come to terms with it and realizing that it's a thing, Reconcile yourself with it, and then you're able to more freely educate yourself and talk about it without that sting that you might feel when you hear the term white privilege right. and thinking that it's a jab against you in some kind of way. It's right. a personal jab. Yep. Well, and it's, did I ever tell you about that time that I was pulled over and um, the police officer tried to make me confess to having weed? Did I ever no. tell you that? I never told no. you that. Well, no, this is, I mean, I, I, I would remember. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I have, I have been thinking about that story so much recently because it is, I feel like it's such a prime example of, of, of white, of white privilege. Like, cause if I had been a black man, that whole situation would have been completely different. And mm -hmm. I have, I have to acknowledge that. Because I was like, it's, it's a really short, it's not like super long, but like I was driving to Iowa and, um, I was speeding. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> I was speeding. I, uh, I can have a lead foot sometimes. Um, and, um, I got pulled over and, you know, I was, I was, it was annoying, but I was like, whatever, let's just get this over with. I'll get a ticket. Fine. Um, and the police officer, what was so weird was he came up, took my license and everything, and then he came back and was like, sir, I have reason to believe that you're high on marijuana. I'm going to do a test. I'm going to test you. And I was like, <laughs> I've never been high in my life. Like, but I, look at the respect. Sir, I have reason to believe you're high on marijuana. He, he referred to you as sir, which would have never happened right. if you were... I mean, I want to think, I don't want to say never, but it would, in, from what we've seen, evidence that we've seen, that would not have happened to a black man. Exactly. Right. 
and um and he he took me and put me in the police car and um tested me which was literally the, the test was close your eyes tilt your head back and count to 30 that was the test and i was like okay and he's like when i when i say go start counting so i i did this you know head back and he said go and so i'm thinking one two three you know right I get to 30, I bring my head down and he's like, you failed. You, you did, you took an, you took a minute and 30 seconds. And I was like sitting there so confused because I was like, you never told me, was it one Mississippi two? What, what are you talking about? Like, this is what kind of yeah. dumb test is this? And then he searched my car uh, and found eye drops. And he said, People who are high on marijuana usually have eye drops to, to hide it. Tell me right now, are you high on weed? And I, I, I literally looked at him, like just straight face and was like, no, I am not high on weed. I've never been high in my life. Like, I was like, what the hell, dude? Um, and then the weirdest thing happened was he all of a sudden looked really scared. And he was like, oh, um, okay, well, um, you know, next time, like, stay under the speed limit and um, I'm going to let you off. And then he, like, just bolted. So I was so confused. And then later to find out that everything he did was illegal. Uh, he's not supposed to search my car unless he sees marijuana. Unless mm -hmm. he actually sees it. He had no right to anything that he did because my roommate at the time was a lawyer and he explained the whole thing to me. And so anyways, but I say that because I've been thinking about that story a lot because I'm like that right there is that like the fact that I was able to talk to that officer as an equal, you know, like on his level and be like, bro, no, I'm not high. This is dumb. What the hell are you doing? Like, I didn't realize it then, but now I realize like that is white privilege. Because if I was, if I was a black man or any other, like a minority, like that whole situation would have been completely different. Yeah, possibly, especially if you already have an officer who is breaking the law and, you know, is showing a complete disregard for his profession. If you had been a person of color, the odds are, even higher that that situation would have ended very badly right um and and it may not have necessarily ended in violence you would hope but it definitely could have ended in a, in a in, you know in an arrest for something completely ridiculous that right. you know potentially ended you know with this person being in jail for a very long time for no reason at all but just because you know the police officer had something to prove or you know, he was on an ego trip, of a power trip of some kind. I mean, again, I'm thrilled that, you know, people are starting to acknowledge that privilege is a very real thing. Yeah. I don't think necessarily that everybody is fully aware of the depths in which it goes because it, it doesn't just stop it. It doesn't stop at police brutality. There is right. economic disparity you know, huge economic disparity that comes from also privilege. 
or lack thereof. Yeah. And, you know, I'm constantly seeing neighborhoods and in all of the cities that I live in that are constantly being gentrified. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's also a huge issue. I mean, you have neighborhoods that are seen as being, you know, these, this is where the black people are. That's kind of how people refer to it. And then over the years, you see them being slowly pushed out. You see, uh, you know, property taxes being raised so that they can't even afford the houses that they've, you know, lived in for 20 plus years, all because they want the neighborhood to improve. And their idea of improvement means people of color are out and white people are in. Yeah. So white privilege goes so much deeper, so much just, uh, you know, just the difference between a, a way that the police officer treats a black man versus a white man, a black woman versus a white woman, you know, so much more it's so much more than that and i think um that people are going to start to begin to understand that and i mean there's a potential for a second wave of discomfort (laughs) when it comes to white privilege right i mean i went to i went to a protest in austin and something that the gentleman who was leading the protest had said that was something that I actually mentioned in the last podcast, in the first podcast that we did. Um, And I felt very sort of like affirmed um, in, in him saying it, which is that there is a very clear power dynamic and people don't like to, to lose power. Mm -hmm. And they don't like to lose power because they're worried about the consequences of losing power. You know, it's very evident how white people think of the power and the privilege that they have because there is an an underlying assumption and fear that if people of color were to obtain that same power and influence and privilege, that they would turn around and do exactly what white people did to black people and oppress them. Yep. And so they don't want to relinquish any amount of power and privilege in actuality because they don't want to become the oppressed and that's not the intention of people of color at least the most people of color that i've come in contact with that i have you know existed in the space of they just want to be able to exist and live and yeah they want to have access to the same things that other people have access to and they want the same opportunities and they want you know the same resources they want to be able to pull themselves up out of their situations and better their lives and the lives of their community that's all that they're really asking for and essentially to be left alone and to be to given the right to exist and not have to fight to prove that they uh deserve to exist and and live and breathe in the same space as everybody else and so one of the things that he said that really struck me as well was that you know he mentioned how there may not be a full understanding of what dismantling white privilege is going to look like Mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, right now a lot of people are aware of the overt benefits of white privilege. They're aware of, you know, they may have better job opportunities, better pay. Um, They may um, have better opportunities when it comes to education. They may have better opportunities 
when, you know, uh, for a number, a list of things, but not every individual knows is always is fully aware of how white privilege plays out in their life personally. Yeah. And when we're talking about equality and equity, when we're talking about bringing people of color up to that same level of privilege, that means that white people are going to have to lose some of their access, some of their privilege, some of their advantage in order for there to be true quality and, and, and equity. And I don't think that there's an, a full understanding of the sacrifice that may have to come with that. Yeah. Um, the opportunities, the access that you might be losing out as a white person so that your black, you know, fellow man can you know run the race in the same you know with an even playing field as yourself you know i'm not saying that you know people you white people don't work hard and they don't earn the success but they are given a very decided advantage over everyone else to be successful yeah and so when you have an even playing field and now people of color are no longer dealing with the obstacles that they have dealt with throughout history to get to the same exact place, you may see that there's a decline in, you know, white people being successful, having access, getting, getting that apartment, getting this, this job, getting the, and you know, that has the potential for, resentment in a way sure so as much as people are talking about white privilege and we need to dismantle da, 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 i do question whether people are aware of what that is going to look like in reality yeah well and it makes me think of and like just to be clear i don't share this story as like a a woe is me boohoo i don't share this story as that just to be clear um but there was um a while back i applied for uh um like a grant of sorts and it was like an art grant and and I didn't get the grant um and yeah I was bummed um but then somebody had told me you know and like and I, I say this loosely because it's it I, I am not 100% sure um but the person who kind of had an in on like the process you know said like you know your your application and stuff was great but there were a lot of things against you being that you were white and male like that 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 was a consideration into why i didn't get the grant and i had i'm just going to be honest like i had a a mixed reaction when i heard that because it was just it was one of those like it was complicated. Like, I'm not going to say I was perfect. I was upset about it, you know, cause I was, yeah. but with that said, I did make the mental decision to just get over it, which I know that's not like, <laughs> I know that's like not easy, but it was one of those things where it's like, I could understand what was happening. Like I mm-hmm. could understand that this is part of what everything that you just said and and do i in you know it's like 
I'm yeah, I'm not trying to like sugarcoat it. Like it's complicated. Like that's it's yeah. a, a very mixed feeling. But at the same time, it, you know, it is one of those things where it's like I think a lot of white people are going to have to make the decision to take a step back and really look at the larger picture. Like mm-hmm. they're going to really have to work to do that in order to just grasp what's going on and like you know and here's the bottom line it was a grant like it wasn't access to food it wasn't access to insurance it wasn't you know what i mean it's like it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah i can like be upset about this but at the same time it's just one of those realities that like you said i think you know, as, as white people are figuring this out, really doing the internal work to just get it, to understand like the bigger picture. And let me, let me break down that for you because (laughs) in that situation, what you were dealing with, the fact that your, you know, your gender and your, um, your, uh, base were against you in this grant Let's, let's put the blame where it actually belongs. Because when you create a system that benefits men, hence patriarchy, and when you create a system that benefits one particular race over others, okay, then it's not about your talent. It's not about your level of intelligence, uh-huh. yep. capability. It is about these outer circumstances and these are things that you don't need, you have no control over. You have no control over being a white male in this world any more than I have control over being a woman of color. So when it becomes about that, that that's the system that was created and it's creating to work as it's supposed to work. So it's not about your black counterpart took this opportunity away from you. It's about a system that was created to work in the way that it works and that there are people that are saying no to that. There are people that are going, no, that's not a good thing. It yeah. shouldn't be about the fact that you're male and white. It should be about your talent. And unfortunately, because the system doesn't work that way, right. they now have to set things in place to create a more fair and just process, which looks like something like affirmative action. Mm-hmm. You now have to bring in a person of color into your workplace, into your uh, educational institution, because we know that you won't unless we force your hand to do it, regardless of of their their qualifications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now the the you know countermeasure that take to fight against a system that only benefits, uh, you know one particular race wait the say, that, say that again real take, quick you you broke up you broke up just a little oh, bit say that again now the countermeasure that's taken to fight against a system that was created to benefit one race over every other race and one gender over every other gender is that it makes it about It makes it, it still makes it about those things. It makes it about 
race or it makes it about gender and it doesn't make it about what it's supposed to be about because in a perfect world whether you were black white hispanic asian or male female uh non-binary whatever mm -hmm. you know it would have been based on your talent your right. qualifications you know so when you think about things like that and in your situation you had a loss of privilege mm -hmm. because you're a white male yeah you know be angry at the system that was set up in place to benefit you because now you have to have countermeasures that work against you right and those countermeasures have to be there because you have so many people who will not judge based on the things that really matter but they will judge on the things like the color of your skin like what's between your legs those will be the deciding factors instead of what truly matters right yep yep and that's what i want allies you know uh, white people people not of color to understand when loss of privilege happens to them Yep. It all still ties back to the system that was created and set in place. It's not about your a black uh, counterpart. It's not about your Hispanic counterpart. Those things are put into place because they were denied opportunities that they were qualified for. Mm -hmm. They had the talent for. Right, right. The stories I've heard of people who did something as simple as change their name on an application. Yep. And because their name no longer sounded ethnic, all of a sudden they were getting all these job interview offers. They were getting all of these opportunities. Same resume, same qualifications. Right, right. Yep. Come no, on. That's actually, I am so glad you, I'm so glad you just broke that down because that actually is, that, that is something to be quite frank, I've never heard before like the way that you just broke that down and like that makes actually a lot of sense because you know and and it's like it it is one of those things where it's like i just i i know for myself just recognizing the fact it's so funny because i said it and then i realized oh my god there's some more privilege but like the fact that i was able to say i'm just going to get over it like yeah. I realized <laughs> literally, literally right when I said it in the back of my head, I was like, holy shit. Like just the way that I, like the fact that I can push it aside like that. The fact that you can afford to lose out on the opportunity and it doesn't make or break you. It, right. Is right. very much you know what? It's so amazing that you had that moment of clarity and that self-awareness. Because again, I'm telling you, there's so many subtleties and nuances to privilege, to be right. able to oh, you know what? That really sucks. It's not necessarily fair, but it's okay. My life will carry on. Not everybody can say that when they miss out on an opportunity like that. Exactly, exactly. So in, re in reality, when you think about it, as much as this system has was built to benefit white people it also is hurting white people because it's creating a sense of, of entitlement that's not based on 
on what's actually important. It's not based on uh, talent and, and qualifications and capability and intelligence and any of the things that you would need in order to access yeah. these opportunities. It's based off of the color of your skin. And so when this starts to become, dis when this starts to get dismantled, you know, there is going to be a little bit of a, a, a sort of um, sacrifice and pain there. Yep. Because when you're so used to easily accessing and getting things just based on nothing, Again, I'm not saying that all white people, they don't know how to work hard. They don't know how to earn things. They're not. No, I can, That's I not the point. I get your point. Yeah, I, I totally yeah. get it. Yeah. But when you're accustomed to that and all of a sudden, like I said before, the, the playing field becomes even and your more qualified black counterpart or Asian counterpart or Hispanic counterpart gets the job over you. You know, you have to put that into perspective and you have to go, okay, you know, like, let's call that what it is. You know what I mean? It's yeah. creating a system where things are given to you based off of actual qualifications and not something that you had no control over, which is being born right. white or being born male or being born female or being born black, you know? It's based off of the things that, that matter, the things that, that go along with whatever that opportunity is. So, yeah. I mean, I'll just say that. So, in a way, the system that was set up to benefit you hurt you in that situation. Because right. the countermeasures that had to be taken in order yep. to create fairness and equality yep. worked against you. And that's, gosh, dang, that is the irony of it all, isn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah. That's insane. Well, and, and, you know, and like, I just, just to clarify, like, you know, the, the person yeah. who told me that I possibly, you know, didn't get the grant because of um, being white and male, like, you know, yeah. I concretely don't know, but that was definitely one of the things that the person said could yeah. have contributed to it. Um, I just wanted to, just for, you know, just to clarify. Don't worry, nobody's going to track down the people who offered you the grant and be like, is this right, the I reason? Know. That was the thing that I was like afraid of. It's like part of me is like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not here to start anything. I'm just saying like, it, I'm, I. It, no, be here to start shit. Start, start so much shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. All the shit. I'm curious is like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm insane, but like, <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it is very scary, um, you know, to, uh, like, it's scary, it's scary to an extent, you know, to like, I think for white people to, to really like, nail this down and to look at it because mm -hmm. it it can reveal so much dare I even say it unresolved issues that because of yeah. privilege you are not you don't have to look at them I I think 
it's dealing with deeper insecurities that you did not have to deal with because privilege got you so far. Um, and so I think, yeah, like I, yeah, I just think it's, it's like what you said, that gentleman, um, who said at the rally, it's like, I think white people are needing to kind of count the cost and really like, this is going to open up a jar of who knows what. Um, yeah, for real. And I don't think yeah. that people really grasp that just yet because it's unknown. We've never known this country without a, a system that is built on, on systematic racism. We don't know what this country would function like without that. We... And, and, and what that really is going to look like in the day-to-day -day in a practical sense. I hope that we will come to the place of finding out, but in reality, that's not a known thing because it's unknown. It's hard to really wrap your mind around what the cost might be, you know? And I think something that we had talked about um, outside of this call was I, you know, for me personally, I've never seen so many white people up about issues dealing specifically with people of color dealing specifically with black men and the police brutality and all in the injustice that 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 they face and the white privilege and and i think you know again part of that comes with you know people are busy in the day-to-day -day lives mm -hmm. working spending time with family and now they they are, you know, they don't have the privilege or the luxury to sort of ignore these same issues that have been happening since, since the, the foundation of this country. You know, well, now it's, it's everywhere. You can't yeah. run from it. You can't hide from it. And I think people are finally ready to sort of at least start the conversation. Well, you know, and I'm... Oh, sorry. You go. You go I'm ahead. happy that we're, yeah, I'm happy that people are actually willing to actually start the conversation, even if it's you know on social media. I'm hoping that it's not just exclusively on social media. I'm hoping that people are having the hard conversations at home. I mean, I'm seeing videos of children confronting their parents' racism and their parents' wrong ideologies, and that's unheard of you know what i mean like right. in, in in such a public way in such a public way and completely unashamed and confident you know that their their parents viewpoints are are very much steeped in white privilege and in systematic racism and that it needs to change when you know something that like i just thought of as you were talking was um like just the power, like, does, oh, you still there? You still there? Yeah, what just happened? Oh, you completely went away. And so I, I know, I thought it was the cutoff time. I know, me too. I was like, no! It was real. It was real. Um, something that you thought of while I was talking. Yeah, like, so like bringing up social media. Um, <laughs> This is a theory, but I'm just going to like throw it out there. 
I wonder yeah. if, so from entertainment, movies, television, you know, people like minor people of minority have always been painted in a negative light in some sense, or they're the side character or they're, you know, um, things like that with, mm-hmm. you know, our phones with these cameras on here. I'm wondering if part of the reason why so many white people are beginning to actually wake up to this is because they are actually seeing people who look like them do terrible things in a way that they may have never been used to seeing. That's just a theory. I don't know. I, but it's like there's so much footage of what white police officers doing these heinous acts and i just wonder to what extent that that has like done something to wake up some some sort of like oh my gosh like that's a total theory i don't know if that well, holds up but. to be honest that's only a question that other white people can answer that's like, true yeah that's not really anything that i personally can speak to because for me you know it's always shocking, you know, and it doesn't necessarily right. have to be, uh, you know, a white person who's doing it. I'm always shocked when people are doing horrible and grotesque things, you right. know what I mean? Right. Like, yes, there was an officer who, um, you know, like Voldemort, we will not speak his name, but <laughs> like there was an officer who knelt on George Floyd's neck, but there were other officers there and not all right. of them were white. That stood idly by or helped in the situation and were accomplices in this man's death. Let's not act like, you know, uh, officer, you know, other officers of other races have never been involved in, you know, criminal activity before. But yes, I mean, I, I would suppose that, yeah, when you see, when you're able to sort of identify with someone in some way and you see them doing something horrific and you see what humanity is capable of but more importantly with somebody like you is capable of then you it i would assume and inevitably the psychology of it was that you the mirror would get turned on yourself and you would start to think what am i capable of am i capable of these types of things am i capable of you know and you know throughout time the the atrocities that people of color have faced it's not that they've lessened, it's that they've become more, uh, they're not as overt as they used to be, yeah. you know? And before, you know, the things that needed to be addressed were so much bigger than the subtleties of white privilege today in the sense that, you know, like, you know, we needed to address the fact that people of color could not drink out of the same water fountain or swim in the same pool or eat at the same restaurant you know, or, or have interracial relationships, you know, those were major things, major disparities that were staring you in the face every day, you know, and now it's the subtleties. I mean, there are still very overt things. Don't get me wrong. Obviously people have died. It's, it's, it's not like, you know, that's subtle, but now we're also seeing like the more subtle nuances of white privilege for example, what, what you just kind of had a reason of in terms of, oh, for me to even say that 
passing up the grant was not, or like, you know, getting over it was not that big of a deal. That's part of my privilege that I have, I'm in a position to where I can say that. And it doesn't, it's yeah. not detrimental to me that I didn't get that grant. Yeah. That is, that is such a subtle, subtle, uh, understanding, very detailed understanding of white privilege that I, I would dare to say, you know, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, that wasn't even on the table for discussion. Right, right, exactly. Yep. And now it is. Now all of a sudden people are going, okay, it's not just about, um, uh, it's not just about the fact that people are dying. It's, it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things. It's a, it's a whole mountain, a whole list of things. Yep. And people are starting to tackle that because, you know, they may not see themselves in a police officer um that you know kills somebody they may not be able to relate to that but they can relate to you know uh a fellow coworker who you're doing the exact same job as them but they're getting paid less than you right right and for nothing for for nothing other than the fact that you may be white and they may not be you know th those are the points in which people can really, really relate because you may not be able to necessarily, again, see yourself in, in a horrific situation like that, but you can see those subtle nuances in the day-to-day -day life and go, oh, I am benefiting. I am benefiting because I can see that this person is doing the exact same job that I'm doing, but they're getting paid less. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there was an yeah. actress came out recently. Um, she was on Riverdale. And she called out the show because she was just like, I don't make as much as my white counterparts make. And I'm treated like the sidekick character. You know, I'm not given much character development. I'm not given a character arc. The storylines are, you know, are very generic when it comes to my character. I'm there to, to fill a space. You know what I mean? Like, I am the token black girl on the show. And she called him out and then all of a sudden they were like, Oh no, you know what I mean? And they issued an apology and everything like that. And the point is, is like, those things are now up for debate. They're now on the table. Yep. Oh man. Come on now, speak on it. No. <laughs> but social media in general is just a very, very tricky thing. It's a very yeah. lovely and scary place. <laughs> Well, and it's, you know, it's very, like, I think it's one of those things where, you know, I think, I think I saw a post recently that I really, really enjoyed and appreciated because it basically said, you know, like, I am, I am all 100% for being vocal on social media about all of these issues of course um right. i even like i i i attended some protests and like captured some of like what was going on there i you know it's like i'm i'm learning and wanting to do my part um like finding some places to donate money to you know like trying i'm trying to you know you know i'm trying um but there was this um there's this post that i really appreciated it, and it 
you know, I think social media, people can be very just almost like almost um, just almost like cutthroat in, you know, if like one person, like if someone didn't post the Blackout Tuesday, like, you know, Black Square, it's almost like canceled. (laughs) It's like this instant and you're like, this person posts once every five months, you know, it's like, why are we, you know, it's like, I'm not saying that like there's kind of this instant judgment that they're not talking about this with other people. They're not dealing with it all because they didn't post about it. Right. Like, I think there needs to be some sort of like, maybe this person is having conversations outside of social media which they, everyone should be anyways, <laughs> like face-to-face actually talking about it. Um, that like, like what if this person is like dealing with their white privilege, but in a, their own private way that they don't want to post about? Like, I think there's just, there needs, I don't know. I just think it can be, I, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think? Am I Am I off on some of that? Or is that like... <laughs> No, you're not. And I think that, yes, I, I have seen that. Um, coming from a, a, a perspective of a person of color, I know what, I know the sort of, uh, because I've had friends on Facebook who've called out various people, you know, they've called out their coworkers, they've called out their professors, you know, and they're like, you know, y'all want to be up in my face acting like you're my friend. But when something like this happens to somebody that looks like me, you're all, you know, uh, MIA. And yeah, there, there are the rare occasions when someone is like not very active on social media or they're not going to participate in something like that. But I would say a good majority of people who have social media, they're active on it. And they are very particular about what they give their attention to. I've seen many yep. people on social media that is primarily on the riots, the looting, primarily on how good police officers are. And there's no, there, there's no um, uh, other facet of the story to that. There's no like, uh, this was horrible. There, there needs to be justice for this man who lost his life. But there are police officers that do their job and they are heroes and they deserve respect. It's not like that. It's very one-sided. Yeah. And um. And I understood what they're what because the point was not that they were like, "I need you to be both on social media." I think the underlining issue was they were like, "If you can't speak up for me on social media, where you're behind a keyboard and you're not even face to face." what will you do if you're ever with me in real life and something like this happens, you won't have my back. Because if you can't even speak up for me on social media, how will you be able to speak up for me in real life? So I think we have to take into consideration that, you know, when a person of color is calling out another, you know, calling out their friends who are not speaking on this issue, it's not because it's so much deeper than just, I need you to post something. It's like, I need you to have my back. I need you to acknowledge that I matter, that my life matters, that I have value. Yeah. And by you just not saying anything, you know, just being silent 
it's like you're being complacent and you're you're thinking about yourself and your your own dis, you know your own comfort rather than my life because that's what it comes down to when a person of color is thinking about these things they're thinking about their life yeah when i think about nephews i think about them living or dying you know what i right, mean right. and it's their friends walking down the street and a police officer tries to harass them i would want them to be with a friend if that friend was white that is going to speak up for them not turn turn and look the other way or run that is not the type of friend that I would want my nephews to have in a situation where it's life or death. And I'm not uh, necessarily yeah. saying to throw your body on top of them and, you know, but to be able to use your privilege, your very clear pr privilege to speak on behalf of those that are not heard, to speak on behalf of those who are being persecuted, who are being harassed is a very, it's, it's a very necessary thing. So when, my friends of color on on Facebook were calling out other people. It was much deeper than just I I want you to post a a a blackout Tuesday picture, which by the way was controversial in and of itself because sure. there were a lot of people who were like, this is a ploy to get you to stop talking about what really is important. The last thing that we need to be doing right now is not posting on social media what we need to be doing is talking and continuing to talk about this, the situation because, you know, with news stories, things get old very quickly. And especially right. the collective stops talking about it. They're on to yeah. the next story. Yeah. And so blackout day, though the intention of it may have been a good, good intention. And I even participated in it too. But yeah. after, after the fact I read, you know, posts where people were like, don't participate in this. It's a ploy to get you to stop talking about it and to get us to move on from this conversation. And I was like, oh, shoot, you're right. Why would we not post on social media? Right. You know, I think the more important thing is, you know, if you're going to do something to benefit, you know, and to stand in solidarity, donate to the black, you know, run organizations money to black owned businesses that's the way that you can really um help put your money where your mouth is stand in solidarity is to give back to the black community it's yeah. you know in that type of way to support them in that in that type of way rather than just posting a simple picture and this is a discussion that i had with my roommate because she had not yet spoken out about it and she felt very like okay well I'm not the type of person to speak out about much on social media anyway. And so this proves nothing. So if you harass somebody into posting something or to speaking out, um, what does that do? That, that, that doesn't make that person care any more than they did before you called them out. Right. They may post something just to shut you up or because they're afraid of being called out. Um, but that doesn't mean that at the end of the day, they're going to be an ally. It doesn't right. mean that they're going to care. Yeah. So my thing is don't even pay mind to, to, to people like that. If you, you, you have every right to decide who you want to be in your life. And if there's somebody that's in your life and I, and I can say this firsthand, that is not going to stick up for you and defend you as a human being bye like you don't need right. them in your life you don't yeah. need to argue with them. just bye yeah because they're 
plenty more people out there who will fight for you, who will love you, who will show you your worth, and you don't have to argue with them about it. Yeah. And I can say that personal experience. I've, you know, I have dated white men who never spoke about issues of race. And when things would happen, completely silent. And they would tolerate bullshit things like the the their friends using the their friends use of the n-word you know what i mean and and you know to them it wasn't they're not doing it it's like you're dating a woman of color and you're friends with this person who's clearly using a derogatory term that doesn't belong to them they don't have any right to use it right and you're sitting complacently by you know you're not you're you're not participating in it but you're not saying anything either so what does that say to me yeah no if if that say to me as as your significant other and how what does that say so i i encourage people like what if you have friends of color if you have a significant other of color what is that supposed to them you just don't say anything when you just just and yes i agree with you these are conversations that should not just be happening on social media activism shouldn't be uh, subject only to social media, if we're going to have real change, if we're going to actually dismantle the system, that has to happen uh, on the streets. It has to happen um, in the, the voting polls. It has to happen on the telephone, speaking to your representatives and the politicians, you know, that you voted in office in your state. It has to, it has to be about where you put your money, because that's a huge fuel in uh, a, a factor in this country those are the things that are going to make the difference not just posting something on social media yeah, yeah social media it raises awareness it can be a tool to educate people you know and i'm glad that people are posting things about these are the businesses that you can uh go to and support these are the organizations that you can donate to because that's taking awareness and putting it into action and that's when social media activism becomes effective. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just taking an Instagram picture. <laughs> thank you. Seriously, thank you for clearing that up. That actually, that makes complete sense. Like that, that completely, like, I get it now. <laughs> like, for lack of a better word, that completely, yeah. <laughs> so I think people should be given the benefit of the doubt. Yes and no. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's, that's the balance of it where it's like, it's like, like I can understand when it comes to like huge corporations like Nike and um, like, oh gosh, Apple, you know, like that is a big deal for them to, to like recognize this and like what's going on. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. I mean, yes and no. And I'll just say this, when it comes to stuff like that, what I said before, you know, giving people benefit of the doubt, what I mean by yes and no is that should you be calling out a stranger that you've never had a conversation with a day in your life? No, you don't know them. You don't know the conversations they're having in private. You don't know what they're doing. Should you have maybe have a conversation with a friend of yours that you have you know, you work with day in and day out at your job, or you see all the time that you know for a fact isn't saying shit about what's going on, yeah, you might want to have a conversation. 
is social media the most uh, effective place to have and most productive place to have that conversation? No, that should be a face-to-face -face conversation. If you're bold enough to call somebody out on social media, you should be bold enough to say it to their face. Just saying. Have that conversation with them. <laughs> you built that bridge with them. And you, you have to, you know, you have to tell them, you're my friend, you're in my life. This is, this matters to me because it affects my life and it could literally for me. So I need to know where you stand. Yeah. And it either they're going to, they're going to like, you know, man up, roll up and be like, I'm here. I'm going to support you or they're not. And then again, bye. You don't need to make life. You do not need right. people like that in your life more people out there and so the corporations things about it because i see so many people trying to capitalize on such a tragic thing they're trying to capitalize on what yeah. they're doing all with the black lives matter movement there's i mean i have seen so much merchandise out there you know with so many uh symbols of solidarity for the black community you know uh so many t-shirts with hashtag black Lives matter slogans and these are not necessarily biz black owned businesses that are putting it out there and and these businesses are not necessarily taking the proceeds that they make from selling this merchandise that is capitalizing on this movement and capitalizing essentially capitalizing on the death of black men yeah and putting it back into the black community they're taking it for their own and so it's important that people educate themselves again about where they put their money. But also it's like, know that not everybody, you know, that's in your face saying I'm an ally, I'm an ally is actually an ally. Not everybody that says, oh, this is bad, you know, especially what would you expect from, you know, various companies when, the, when you know, majority of the, not a majority, but like a, a very large population of the world, because it's not just here in America, there's been protests all over the world in regards yeah. to what do you say when a good, a good chunk of the world is saying, step up. Right, right. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are going to hop on that bandwagon out of fear, out of wanting to capitalize, out of greed. I mean, there's, there can be so many disingenuine reasons of why they hop onto that bandwagon but that doesn't mean that they're allies it doesn't mean that they're actually going to be there when it matters and it doesn't mean that they're actually going to advocate in their day-to-day -day lives when this is no longer trendy you know which it should never be trendy but when this is no longer trendy are these people going to continue to fight on behalf of people of color right. are they going to continue this mantle systematic racism are they going to continue to to uh uh confront their their privilege or the privilege of others that is a question that begs to be seen you know in the future because right now you have freaking youtubers and influencers who are literally taking you know planning photo shoots at protests right right getting their yeah. makeup done done wearing ridiculous outfits that you would never be able to actually march in setting up a whole scene and having a photographer come out and take their picture also that they can post it on social media and be like yes i stand in solidarity bullshit you do right right bring on a trend you're you want to capitalize on this by increasing your followers 
increasing, which then increases your revenue. Yeah. Let's, let's call that, let's call that what it is. Let's call that what it is. There are very, there are many very genuine people who are confronting very real issues in their own personal life. They're con confronting their own privilege. They're confronting their, their own mentalities and biases that they didn't even realize existed. And for those, I applaud you. I applaud you for doing the work and I applaud you for putting it out there for others. But I also know that there are people who are straight up fake to your face yeah. and they're doing it for the applause. They're doing it to capitalize on it. They're doing it for their own personal gain. And that's disgusting. And yeah. that's not something that should ever happen, but you know, this is not a perfect world. So it does include I feel like there's always an agenda you know yeah there are people who they, they might make a statement about how black lives matter but they're not paying their own workers a living wage right a conversation for another day but i'm just saying <laughs> you don't say that black lives matter why don't you pay your people what they deserve yeah some benefits that they deserve and stop overworking them with ridiculous long hours for, for, you know, mediocre pay. Yeah. If you don't say that black lives matter, and this is not just about you jumping on the bandwagon, why don't you prove that and act in the way you should sure please? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, that's, that's what it's going to end up mattering. Yeah. That's what's going to, so right now what's happening is amazing. All this to say in conclusion, right now what's happening is amazing. You know, we have, you know, and it's, we have Black Lives Matter painted on that leads to the White House. Wait, That's real quick, say that again, you broke up. Oh, I said we have uh, Black Lives Matter painted on the street that leads to the White House. Right. That's yeah. unprecedented. That, that is a historical thing that has happened. I want to see what happens five months from now, six months from now. Yeah. Yep. I'm not all that's happening right now. I think what's happening right now is necessary. I think what's happening right now is amazing and great, but it's also ugly and hard and difficult and frustrating. But I also want to see what happens five months from now, six months from now, when this is no longer trendy, when, you know, like, are we still going to be talking about it? Are we still going to be addressing? It? Are we still going to be fighting and advocating for people of color? We'll see. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because people of color can exist and they're still going to be dealing with the same shit that they were dealing with yesterday. So right. it's necessary to, you know, to fight and work towards it. Well, and yeah. And like, that's the thing that it's like, you know, it can, it could be so easy with, you know, all of this happened, you know, over the past two weeks. Mm -hmm. And it can just, it, yeah, it can be so, so easy to just completely like just move on as if it didn't happen. Um, and I think yeah. that, and that's another thing that like, you know, just speaking of um, like white privilege, like that's another thing right there of like that, like a lot of white people can just move on. And like, and if that doesn't, it, like that that's just something that like you just have to like 
recognize so you can not just let it pass by. Like, you yeah. So yeah, it, yeah. Because I guarantee you that your, your, your friend of color, your teacher of color, your coworker of color, we all are going to continue to have to deal with this. Yeah. When this, again, when this is no longer a popular subject that is being discussed and is at the forefront of, you know, the, the, the social discussion that's happening in the world, it's not at the forefront of the media coverage. We're going to continue to deal with the day in and day out of being a person of color. Um, and most importantly, trying to live within a system that does not at all cater to us. In fact, it fights against us. I want to just say, I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day and I was just like, black people are amazing. Yeah. And because the fact that any person of color can be successful in a system that was created to work against them proves how amazing that they are. Yeah. Agreed. Point blank period. Yep. So, again, whatever happens in this next couple of weeks, you know, I hope that the, the flames continue to be fanned and continue to be fueled by the conversation happening with people that have the platform and the privilege. But just know that even when that begins to kind of slow down and it hopefully never comes to a complete stop, but when it starts to slow down, just think about the fact that the people around you, the people of color that are around you, the black people that are around you, they're going to have to continue. They can't afford to not have the conversation. They can't afford to not continue to think about it on a daily basis because they live it. Right, right. Yep. <laughs> no, it's just, yeah, I'm, I'm just taking it all in. Man. I understand. It's a hard topic. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's conversations like this, you know, that, like, I think, hopefully, whoever, like, whoever listens, <laughs> it's, like, just, you know, like, bringing some sort of, um, just sort of like understanding and awareness in, in a better way. Um, but yeah. I think so. I mean, if they can get through the rambling, uh, and my, my long tangents. No, I'm keeping all the long tangents. It's great. No, no, this time it's, if they can get through that, they may be able to come out with a few nuggets and souls wisdom, you know, that hopefully, just being a person of, of color, being observant, being self-aware and, and, you know, having to live within a system that does not cater to me, to not just only my skin color, but my gender, yeah. um, you know, learn things. And I try to always glean from other people, other people's experiences, other people's intelligence, um, and really educate myself. And that's, that's, that is something that I, it comes easy to me because of being a person of color. I 
almost don't have a choice but to educate myself of issues that directly matter to me and directly affect me. Right, right. You know? Yep, yep. As you said before, you know, being white, you sort of have the luxury or the privilege to, to kind of not look at this and not, you know, deal with this and continue about your day. The fact that people are, you know, like yourself, are actually taking the time to check their privilege, become aware, educate themselves, that is a huge first step. But it's just a first step. Right. Exactly. Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that we take for granted the fact that the civil rights movement wasn't actually that long ago. Right. You know, there's a man who walked, I do not remember his name right now, and that makes me so mad at myself, but there's there's a man who walked arm in arm with MLK in a march on Salem, who is still alive today. He's fighting pancreatic cancer. He, there was a picture of him in the, in the news of sitting on top of a building, looking down at the Black Lives Matter that is painted on the street that leads to the White House. In fact, lives is still today, and he was a part of the civil rights movement and at the forefront, in fact, of the civil rights movement. And he's seeing, you know, these seem like two completely different worlds, two completely different times. But the fact that they exist in one man's lifetime just goes to show you that it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, um, we've come a long way in a lot of in, in in a in a lot of ways, but we've also have so much more to do. We can't afford to just go. It's enough that you know people of color can now coexist with us in the same living spaces. You know, it's, it's enough that you know it's not illegal to be in an interracial relationship. It's enough that, you know, they get to work in the same environment as us, or they get to live in the same housing as we do. No, that's, that's not, that shouldn't be the place that we stop. Right. Right. So, I mean, let's continue to move forward. That's all I have to say. Let's continue to move forward. Let's continue to do the work. Um, And let's make this a topic of conversation always. Agreed. All right, Heather, thank you so much for being on You the Creator, and we will definitely have you back. Um, yes, thank you for taking your time um, out of your day to talk to me about this. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you for using your platform and your privilege to speak about the subject. I'm happy to be on anytime you want me. Awesome. All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>